I want to speak just for a few moments on the, the cover-up. The cover-up. Because in Genesis chapter 3, we see one of the and the first greatest cover-up that had ever and still happening today. And it says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the trees which is in the midst of the garden God has said you shall not eat nor shall you touch it lest you die then the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die for God knows that in that day you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that I was it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband and with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. The greatest cover-up happened right here in Genesis chapter 3 because of an enemy that was jealous of a relationship that men had with God because he could not stand in the place that they stood he chose to come in and deceive and ask one question has God really said Adam and Eve had been in this garden in unity in harmony with one another and with the father as he came down in the cool of the morning and to talk with them and the word there the Hebrew word for cool is actually means breath of God so God came in in the cool of the morning in the spirit and talked with them his spirit was there. His spirit resided there. There was perfect unity. The men and women, Adam and Eve, had dominion over all the animals and the plants and everything that was there. But there was just this one little problem. There was a tree that was set in the midst of the garden, the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. At this point, Adam and Eve never even knew what evil meant. It was something they had never experienced before. It was something that was totally foreign to their mind and, and their compre comprehension of what, what, is, what, is even, what is even evil. This tree is good, but what does this word evil even mean? So I believe that, that when the devil showed up, in the form of the serpent and said had God really said these things he questioned 
what God, he got them to questioning what God had actually spoken to them. If God can ever get you questioning your faith, if he can ever get you questioning, is Jesus really real? There's a lot more Christians that have a problem with that one, that one thing right there. God, are you really real? I know I, I, know I, I, I give my life to you and I, I lay down at an altar and, and, and I give it there. But God, where, are you really real? Because if he can start implanting the, the thoughts of doubt, then he can take your mind and pull your eyes to something else to get all your attention off of nothing but what is setting in the midst of the garden. A tree. A tree of good and evil. The knowledge. Has God really said this? Yes, God really said it. He told them that. Eve knew it. Eve even took it a little step further and said, He said that we shall not eat nor touch it, unless we die. I never read where God actually told them not to touch it, but I think Eve had enough sense in her to know that we can go to James, and James says that when your eyes, the lust of the flesh, and when the lust is consumed and conceived, it bringeth forth sin. So she was saying, listen... I know I should stay away from this tree so much that I should not even touch it because the lust of it wants me to touch it. But once I touch it, it conceives something in me. And that conception is sin. Because can I tell you, once you take hold of something, there ain't but one way for it to go. She takes a hold. She says, we shouldn't even touch it. And if you notice, the devil didn't pick it and give it to her. She says she took it. Her lust for it that she seen that it was good for the eyes and desirable to eat. It was good in all its nature. And it's going to make us like, like God knowing these things. Then she reached in and she took of that fruit and she put it in her hand. Her lust of it got it into her hand. And after that there was only one thing left to do. When you conceive, when a woman conceive what has to happen, she has to come together with a man. She has to take him, a man and a woman, and then they come together and they conceive. Well, as long as the apple was in her hand, she was still okay. But the moment she ate of it, took it into her, then sin was conceived. That's the reason James says your lust draws you away. But the moment your lust keeps drawing and you take of it and partake of it, then it conceives or brings forth sin. So it came together, the, the seed of the apple or the seed of the fruit and the woman because the man actually holds the seed for conception. So the apple took forth that had the seed, the fruit had the seed, came into the woman and in that conceived sin. Because it takes you taking something in for that conception to happen. And when she does this, she takes it and gives it to Adam. Can I tell you that one sin in your life affects your whole family? 
One sin in your life will take you down a road, and not only you a road, but your spouse a road, your kids a road, and then there's effects of that sin for generations to come because we see it right here in the beginning. It didn't stop there. The moment when sin was conceived in the family of Adam and Eve, then sin for generation to generation to generation was something they always had to deal with. So she give it to her husband and he ate. Because let's face it, the woman is very powerful over a man. Let's face it, a woman can be very conniving and manipulative. I'm not saying it in some bad ways, but a woman knows how to get what she wants from a man. Y'all laughing, but you know it's the truth. She knows how to get what she wants from me. And I hope I'm not the only one in here that's like that. Because when it comes to some things, men are weak. I'll be real in here today. Y'all don't have to be. We don't know the, the, the conversation Adam and Eve had that made him take the apple or the fruit and bite of it. We don't know that conversation. Your mind can take you a million different ways. But I guarantee you it was a very convincing conversation from his wife. And after this happened, they, they, their eyes, it says both of them, their eyes, both were, of them were open. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves Coverings. So after this had happened, their eyes were open and they seen we are naked. They went to a fig tree, got some leaves, and sewed it together for some coverings. It's very interesting. And I'll try not to get lost in all this. But it's very interesting as you, as you, as you study things out in the Bible and idolatry and false gods and stuff like that, 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 that there's one place in the Bible that it says don't take these underneath the tree. That don't do these things underneath the tree. Well, where was, where was the first covering of a sin that happened? It was underneath a tree as they picked the leaves and put it on them. So Jesus is like now through all eternity, listen, don't get caught underneath the same tree or the same idolatry that was the fall of man. Quit taking yourself back to under these places that is going to conceive sin. So they took this covering and they tied it up on this. And that's where this comes from, the, the cover-up. Because... There's a lot of people sitting in here today that have sewed fig leaves upon yourselves. And you are covering up things. And you know you are covering up things. They knew they were naked. They knew all these things. They saw their, their eyes were open. Our eyes are open between good and evil. We know when good is good and we know when evil is evil. But when we choose to take forth the evil in our hands and conceive it, and then we take coverings and we hide ourselves. There's some of you in here under the sound of my voice that have one time have walked with God, knew God, the breath of God, the spirit of God, but you have allowed the things of this world to entice you and you've taken up on it. And now you sit in here every Sunday morning covered up from the Lord. 
You look good. But in actuality, you are covered up. You have covered your sin. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in verse 8. That's the New King James. The King James says they heard the voice of the Lord. The Hebrew word there for sound or voice is a sound or an alert or an alarm. So I can only imagine when, when God came down, they heard his voice. Sound as an alarm is what the Hebrew would mean. Because he knew where to meet with them. He knew where they were supposed to be. And they heard that sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day or the spirit. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees again of the garden. Y'all have to go study that out on your own time. Why do you think he says don't light a candle and put it under a bush? Trees are the things since the beginning that have hid things from the light of the world or, or let your light shine. If you take the light of, of God and hide it under a bush or a tree, that means nobody can see it. Basically, you're covering it up and you are ashamed of the light. And Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be also ashamed of you. So what he's saying here, if you take the light that I give you and you hide it or you cover it up, then you are just as good as The sound, the voice, the alarm of God spoke in the garden. And the presence was there and they hid themselves among the trees of the garden. And the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you give to be with me, she gave me the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than the cattle and any other beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go. So from the moment sin entered in, the covering upon their lives, fear entered in and excuses entered in. The excuse to hide from the presence of God. Man. The excuse to not to be together in unity with the presence of God. I mean, what? Lord, help us this morning. How many excuses do we make to, 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 to hide from the presence of God. You say, Pastor, I don't do that. I don't hide from the presence of God. I don't, I don't, I don't do this. You know you do. Because you like the covering that you sowed. You like the tree that you're sitting under. The fig tree, it, yeah, it was a fruitful tree. It had figs. So you like the fruit of the covering of the tree that you are setting under, so you would choose to set there under the fig tree and the covering instead of being the presence of God because there is shade there, there's a little bit of, of fruit there to sustain you, but the bottom line is, is the presence of God is not there because you have covered yourself up from it. And then you use an excuse. When God comes walking, when God comes in here on Sunday mornings or wherever, or in your home or whatever and knocks on your door, 
You use an excuse, Lord, I can't make it to church today. Lord, I can't do this today. I can't go there today. I can't pray. I can't read my Bible today. My day has been too busy. I can't pray today. I can't wake up a little bit earlier because you know I didn't get a good night's rest. I can't stay awake a little bit later because, Lord, you know I'm tired. Guess what? All those are excuses in hiding yourself from the presence of God. All of them are excuses. And we are in a world full of them. When it comes... To anything that is good, it requires, like you say, it requires dedication, endurance, uh, perseverance. It requires all those things to do anything good in the world. But we have so many excuses. And the excuse line just went on from the woman, the woman to the serpent. And then the covering of the greatest cover-up in all happened. And through this covering of the sin, so that's the thing. When the enemy comes in, we always run from God. The very thing that we should run to, we always run from the presence of God. Makes no sense at all because you know what's in his presence. Goodness and pleasures forevermore. Blessings, all the things that you need, all the fruits that you need are in his presence. But when something comes in and we make a mistake, the first reaction is us to run, cover it all up and sit under our own tree and hide from the presence of God when in reality he is the only person that can fix it. Why do we run from him? Why do we run from him? Why are you running from him this morning? Why do you continue to cover things up in your life? Because the bottom line is the covering leads to more covering. The next thing we know because of the sin, not only did they separate the relationship with the Father, which was the biggest thing that happened out of all this, but yes, spiritual death, physical death enter in, but it also affected their family. Next thing they know, they got a son murdering another son. All because of a cover-up. The cover-up that you are hiding from God in your life is affecting you and will affect your children and their grandchildren. We are seeing it today in the generation that we live in because the church has covered up so much that now it has affected the generation that is coming up because the church has chose to cover things up and not expose them for what they are. So now that has affected the generation that's coming up because they know no different. He said, my people are perished for the lack, are, are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We are covering up knowledge from generations that are coming up. When God says, I, he is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no man that can enter through but by, by through him. That is it. We have covered up things. You have covered up things. The church has covered up things. And we've sowed fig leaves over things that, that we don't want to be exposed in our lives, in your life, in your family, in the church. And it has consumed sin and it has consumed things that continue to affect generation after generation. So what are you covering up? This morning, there's plenty of cover up stories in the Bible, but I wanted to, st to start with the greatest one that started it all. 
Because the fact, now I'm not going down this route, and maybe later at some other point, but the fact is, I just feel like saying it, religion is one of the biggest cover-ups ever. The word, the word occult means anything basically that separates you from God. So if there is anything from your life, in your life, that is separating you from God, it don't have to be witchcraft or, or things that we think we think a cult of, of chainings of this or that. It don't have to be those things. But an occult is anything that separates you from the light of God that comes between you. There's a thing called the occult moon, which is an eclipse, where the, where the, where the sun comes between the earth and the moon, or the moon becomes between the earth and the sun. What it does is blocking it out. It's blocking the sun out. And that is called an occult moon because it comes between the earth and the sun, the light. So anything that comes between you and the light, God is an occult. So you need to be asked, what, are you, what does a covering do? A covering, if this, this is God, this is you. A covering separates that light. So if there's anything separating you from the light of God, it's an occult. Don't put me in that category. That's a, that's a bad word. That's just for people who dress in black and, and paint their faces and, 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 and set around witch pots and stuff like that. No, we have plenty of people right now who are practicing in an occult setting in our sanctuary. Because you have covered yourself. With things. The next thing, the next cover up we can see that I'll go to is Genesis. It's in Genesis. It is Genesis chapter 12. And this is where, where Moses, the Lord, has told him to get out from your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And on this journey of getting there, he comes to the Egyptians down there because there's a famine in the land. And he tells his wife, let's make an oath that you call me my brother and I'll call you my sister because you're good you're, you're, you're a fine looking thing and I don't want to lose you and I don't want them to kill me selfishness come in there so let's call, call us brothers and sisters so they get there and the Pharaoh's like yes she is good looking I think I'll take her he brings her into her court and, and really all these plagues start coming up on Pharaoh's house because of a cover up that's why things have been going so in my life, are you calling something good evil? And are you calling something evil good? Are you covering something up? This was a marriage, a covenant between a man and a woman upon them, but they chose not to call it a marriage and chose to cover it up and say we're brother and sister for our own gain that maybe Pharaoh there won't kill me because he wants you for himself. And a lot of times we do that. We are so selfish that we say, God, I just want to do it this way because if it's this way, it will bless me. But if I go the other way, then there's a possibility that I could lose everything. Well, guess what? That's what God wants you to trust in him for because he wants you to say God it's all yours anyway and if I lose it then it's nothing but for you to gain like Job said though you slay me I will trust in you that's what he's talking about and Moses couldn't establish that with Sarah that's what he wants he just wants our trust and relationship anyway to say God it is yours so he chose to call 
the covenant of marriage between him and Sarah, he chose to call it nothing, null and void. So Pharaoh, it's like all these plagues are coming upon us. Why is this happening? And he sees, well, he, why did you do this to me, Moses? So he sends them on down the road. They go on down the road. And then we see it again in Genesis chapter 20. He comes to Abimelech's house. The same thing because they have this they have this, this pact where he said, listen, you call me brother, I call you sister when we come into these places. They have this oath with one another. So they come to Abimelech, the king, same thing. This is my sister here. He takes her in. That night he has a dream. God reveals it to him. He comes to Moses and says, why do you do this? Because, listen, God could have destroyed me for this sin that you have, have given. Why did you cover up this, this for me? Because even Abimelech knew that this cover up from God brought destruction upon his kingdom. A cover-up only brings destruction upon your life. That's the only thing it can come out of it is another cover-up or another story and another story. Well, this is what happened here. It was one cover-up from Moses and Sarah to the next cover-up to, to Genesis chapter 20. And she is bearing all these years. They've had Hagar, Ishmael. They've had them in the, in the middle of Genesis chapter 10 to Genesis chapter 20. And she's still bearing. But I want you to notice something. In Genesis chapter 20, after they come in the, in the agreement, and they're like, we can't do this anymore. We can't call each other. Even though Moses wanted to explain it a half-truth. Well, actually, she's my, my half-sister. He wanted to try to explain, no, half-truth is a whole lie. That's it. It's just, a, it's just another cover-up. You can't call something that's a half-truth uh, the truth because it's not. Because if there's any lie, any part of darkness in it, then it's not true light. It's a cover-up. So, until this time that they have this oath, everywhere we go, every kingdom we come into, you're going to be my sister and I'm going to be your brother. She is barren. But the moment they break this loose in, in Genesis chapter 20, the next chapter, Genesis chapter 21, she conceives. Why? Because they said we can't do this. We have got to honor what God has said that we are married. We can't call it something else. We can't keep covering this thing up. We got to say, God, it is all yours anyway. And what happens, happens. And when they did that, the very next chapter, Sarah conceives. Cover-ups close wounds. When God has promised people nations and promised people purpose and promised people callings and promised people's destiny, but because you have covered stuff up in your life, he has closed that womb and you cannot have that blessing until you release the covering back to his hand so he can bless what he wants to bless and you can trust in him. If they wouldn't have took this on, who knows, she could have conceived a whole lot earlier. They might not have never had to go through all this if, if they would have kept, wouldn't kept covering it up. Keep going through the same thing you're going through. Quit covering up what God wants to do in your life. We go on to the next cover-up. Joshua chapter 7. Jericho had just fallen. The walls have just fallen. Great victory. The first and greatest 
victory that they come through. The walls fall. They're not supposed to take anything. In Joshua chapter 7, we find Achan here. And they go to war. The next war is Ai. And Joshua said, this is a small thing compared to what we just come through. This is a small, they are not many in numbers. I'm only going to send out a couple of thousand troops and, and we'll defeat them. They go to war with Ai. And Ai whips them and they start running. And, and, and they lost people that day. And Joshua's like, what in the world is happening here? What is going on? I want to read this. Joshua chapter 7. Achan was of the tribe of Judah, which you all know what Judah means, praise. And your praise gets a little messed up sometimes because you get haughty and prideful and you start covering things up. Verse 12, Joshua chapter 7, verse 12. It says, therefore the children of Israel could not stand before the enemies, but turned their backs before the enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus saith the Lord of God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in our midst. Oh, Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes, takes shall come according to the families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by the households. He says, listen, there is a cover-up going on in the camp, and there's a cursed thing among you. There's something that is here that should not be here. And then we go to verse, chapter 7, verse number 21. And it says, when I saw among these foals, he got, he got Ai, he got Achan down there and his family. And this is Achan. He says, when I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment. A beautiful, I saw, what, what happened to Eve? She saw something desirable, pleasant to the eyes, that was beautiful and good. Achan said, I seen, I saw with my eyes a beautiful Babylonian garment. 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. And there they are hid, covered, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver that is under it. The same thing happened in Genesis. She saw something. Josh Aiken here seen something, a beautiful garment, a garment that he could put on, and it covered a Babylonian garment. On top of that, where does the Bible come from? The Tower of Bible. Babylonian, anyway. It's a garment to cover. So he seen something that Lord said, don't take of none of this. And he took a cursed thing, that the cursed thing that he first saw that was beautiful was a garment that he could put on and cover things up in his life that he wasn't really then. He looked like a Babylonian. Some of you got it. 
Just because it's beautiful, when you put it on, don't mean you look like Jesus. Because it's not his armor. Oh, it may be the most beautiful thing you've ever had and the beautiful thing you can see, but if it's not of God, it is an accursed thing. And the moment you put on, I don't care how beautiful you think you look, you have covered yourself up from his light, and you no longer look like God because you were created in his image, but now you look like a Babylonian full of baloney. So this garment, which he took and he covered it up, the things in the, and the, you know, it's a funny thing that he didn't say. I noticed the gold first. But it was the beautiful garment of his enemy. Just because you conquer one enemy on your spiritual walk, don't mean you pick up the thing that, that he has left there just because it looks good for, for a mantle on, on your wall. Leave it there. Even David didn't take the sword of Goliath. He found it one time when he needed it in another tent. Leave it there because all that's going to do is allow your spiritual pride of look what I've done and look what I've done in this and this. Leave your enemies in their junk laying right there and you keep the armor of God on and you keep going. Don't try to cover yourself up with something else. Because it's just a bunch of baloney. Babylonians. I swear I got anyways. So what happened? What did this cover up with Achan's life and the tribe of praise? What happened out of this? I mean, I'll tell you this. God knows true praise and fake praise and false praise. You can cover it up all you want to. You can come and you can and, and, and pretend everything's good and praise and worship God and cover things up. It's a bunch of baloney to him. Tinkling sounds and, and sounding brass and cymbals is hitting, hitting there because when, when actuality you've got a garment of Babylon on and you're trying to worship the king when he says that's a, an accursed thing until you get that junk out of your life, I can't hear your praise. Judah, why did you do this? You have hindered your praise to me by taking the accursed thing and covering it up. So what happens? Not only does Achan come down to the valley, his wife, his sons, his daughters, his sheep, his oxen, everything that he is on comes down to the valley and they stone them all to death. Everything. Because everything under him that he touched was a curse now. You got to get rid of all of it. Every bit of it. When you go to expose it and let God have all of your life, he says, I need every bit of it because I am an all-consuming fire. And I know when you don't give me everything. And if you don't give me everything, your life is still going to be under a curse. So his whole family, everything that he was on was stoned and then burnt. Right there. Philip, if you can come back, I'm trying to shut down. The next cover-up we see Of course, there's many. The next one, we can go to 2 Samuel. And y'all have heard me preach this before. Chapter 11. And the Bible talks, starts off, and it happened. And it happened. Somebody say, and it happened. 
In the spring, the year time when kings go to battle, but David was not there. He sent Joab. So when the things start happening in your life, when you quit doing what God has called you to do. A time where one of the most, the greatest king that had ever lived, David, in the spring, when kings were at battle, David sent somebody else and stayed behind. The moment you stop, it's only going to lead to a cover-up because you're not doing what God called you to do. So in him staying behind and sleeping in, and not doing what he's want to, getting lazy and comfortable and, and lax in his, his role as a king. We get lax in our role as Christians and we start getting lazy and comfortable and complacent. And we start quit praying, we start quit, we quit interceding, we quit warring, we quit doing these things. And we step back a little bit and so oh, they, they can handle that right now. I just, want, I just want to step back a little bit. Can I tell you, a step back is always a step in the wrong direction. A step back is separation. So if, if, if you think stepping back is what God said, God don't operate that way. He always operates in new and going forward, pursuing, going after. Now, he may tell you to wait upon the Lord and watch me work, but he's never going to tell you to step back. And wait upon me. He's going to say, hey, you stop right there. I'll take care of this. Then after I take care of this, we're going to keep on pursuing and keep on going. So a step back is always the wrong direction. So David takes a step back. And in this step back and in this laziness and complacency, he wakes up after a long night when he, and, and, and afternoon there. And he looks out across the way and there's Bathsheba, a beautiful woman. It said he saw her. Same as in the beginning. It was good to the eyes and pleasant to the eyes. And then what does he do? The same as Eve done. Bring her to me. Bring her here. That was Eve picking the apple. That's David. Bring her. He's picking her from her, her place that she stayed to bring him into his. And when she gets there, Guess what happens? The same thing when lust, every man is drawn away by his own lust. When lust has conceived, conceived, it bringeth forth sin. When he picks it and gets it there in his hands, there really ain't but one way to go. And they came together, conceived. She got pregnant. The cover-up started. Oh man, Uriah was one of his best soldiers. One of his mighty men of valor. David's mighty men. And because of this, David not being where he was supposed to be and complacent and laxed and getting comfortable, not only has he tearing his family apart, he's tearing somebody else's apart. When she finds out she's pregnant, he calls Sends a letter, calls for Uriah to come home. Uriah comes home, he gets him there, he comes in, he asks him how everything's doing, and then he gets him this big feast to follow him and say, you go on home and be with your wife, son, she's, she's beautiful. Go on down there and be with her. And Uriah, 
being a servant and obedient to the king and taking on an oath that he had taken home because we can see this oath when David is out to battle I wish I could remember what it was and they are hungry and the priest had just changed out the showbread and they said give us if you got anything to eat and he said yeah I've got some showbread that I just changed out but you cannot consume this unless you've kept yourself from women and David said that's, that's our oath when we're battling we don't do that stuff we don't do that stuff and so they were able to eat the showbread so Uriah knew the oath that he took when David had all these things and said, go home and be with your wife, he sat there and he slept at the doorstep because he said, I've got an oath and a commitment to my king that in the midst of the battle, this is what I do. I am here. I am for the battle. Nothing else is going to distract me or get my eyes off of what I can do. I'm right here. His commitment and his servanthood and the oath he did, he didn't cover anything up. So they tell David, he didn't even go home last night. Uriah's like, man, I got to get back to the battlefield. He said, one more time, come see me. Made a feast, got Uriah drunk. So I get him drunk and send him on home. But even in his drunkenness, he sat there and slept outside and didn't go to his wife. Because even, and I love this, even in Uriah's drunkenness, he was more righteous than David was. Because David was covering. The only thing that you should have in your life that, that is righteous and covering is the breastplate of righteousness. That's the only covering that should take that spot in your life. And Uriah didn't go. He drunk, still slept there. So David continues the cover-up. Writes a letter to Joab. Go to take Uriah to battle, put him up front, get the battle and array pulled back, and allow him to die. And it happens. They go to battle. Uriah gets out there, gets killed. The letters that Joab sends the man back, tells David what had happened. And his cover-up seems foolproof now. I've got away with it. I've destroyed families and murdered from one, from one thing not being where I was supposed to be. Not being who God had called me to be and that was a king. Not being there. The moment you quit and stop and not be who God says you are supposed to be is the moment the cover-up starts happening. Because really, we can say the cover-up happened when, when after he come into Bathsheba and she conceived. But no, the cover-up happened when he said, I'm not going to be a king right now. I'm going to stay behind. And he covered who he really was up. And that's what the covering is all about. The first covering that you always put up on your life is covering who God really says you are. If he can get you to cover up who God says you are, then he can take you down a road. Because of his cover up, the, the baby that was conceived with him and Bathsheba dies. The cover up affects generations and generations and generations and generations. 
you would stand with me this morning. I've got one simple word. One simple thing to ask you. What are you covering up this morning? What have your eyes been turned to that you've seen was good and pleasurable and desired? What have you put on yourself that cuts the relation off between you and the Father? It could be little things. Achan, they said, I believe Achan, they said they distributed it in there. I think about the other cover-up that y'all heard me preach about. Rachel sitting on the camel that she took the idols from her father and put them in the camel bags. They were little things. And she was willing to sit there on a camel and call herself unclean to cover something up. And until those idols stayed there, you can read about that in Genesis chapter 35, but until those eyes, idols stayed there and was removed, they never got to where God was taking them until one day, it's like you got to get rid of the things that you have set on and covered up. And where in, in Genesis chapter, they, they, when they take them, think David takes them and bury, I mean not David, uh, Jacob takes them and buries them underneath a tree. Underneath a tree where it all started in the beginning. So whatever it is in your life this morning that you've been hiding from God and, and conceiving, concealing and covering up, no matter how little, you need to go back and you need to bury it underneath the tree. And when they do that, then is when the first time he was there at Bethel, he said, and, 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 and built the altar and called the name Bethel. He said, because I knew not that this was the place of God, house of God. Well, actually, when they get rid of all the idols, then he calls the name of the place El Bethel, which is God of the house of God. So until you get the junk out of your life take the coverings off quit covering up you may be in the house of God but you will never know that he's the God of that house because you not allow him to be the God of that house so your covering is of keeping you from knowing who he really is so this morning as I close we pray if there's anything in your life you need to bury anything that you have been covering up anything that you have put on no matter how small no matter how minute it may seem the covering is actually covering you from the light of the Father and that covering is actually an occult sorry not sorry so this morning as I pray if you need to lay some things down in your life that you've been covering up from Jesus he already knows about it anyway he's down here this morning he's speaking and his spirit is moving to restore you back to your rightful place in his kingdom as I pray if that's you move Lord in the name of Jesus Lord I pray God your word has went forth God it has went to the very bone and marrow and the heart God of the believers God and the people that is in this house Lord God let us not think God that we are so perfect God that we don't try to hide something from you God help us God to trust in you 
God, with everything that is within us and lean not into our own understandings, God, that you can direct our paths, God. But as long as, God, we are covering something up, then our trust is not completely in you, Father. So, God, I pray, God, that we open our hands, God, and give it to you this morning, Jesus. God, that you restore our lives to the rightful place, God, and that is as one of your kids. God, you said, for whoever will, call upon the name of the Lord. They shall be saved. You will remove the covering of sin in their lives. If that's you this morning, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you want to remove the covering of sin and put on the covering of His light, then I ask that you step out this morning and accept Him and let your world and your life and your destiny and purpose be changed. In the name of Jesus, as Philip sings, I'll give it just a minute.